What's up, friends? Alex here with Sean, my good buddy for Content Matters. It's another. It's it's Friday. Is it Friday? It's Friday. It's Friday. I know this week because uh, I'm going to Bigger Pockets Conference today. It's going to be the next three or four days. It is the biggest event in real estate investing of the year, and I am the only camera guy there. How is that possible, Sean? I don't know. I'm I'm super curious. Why are you the only camera guy there? Why aren't they hiring a crew? <clears throat> you could bring me and some friends on and we could just knock it out, make look make everyone look cool. I would love to. You know what? It's interesting. This is a good thing for creators to know and entrepreneurs is um there's like and we can break it down because I don't have it like super concise in my head, but there's a difference between content that you, you know, I want to look cool on the internet and content that converts. We talk about it all the time. So I think what happens is you know, Bigger Pockets is primarily a podcast, huge unicorn giant podcast and a podcast network. And the conference is a way for them to coalesce that listener base. I don't think that social is where they do the majority of their like connecting. And so I just don't know that, you know, any ads that I can make, any pictures. I mean, obviously Instagram doesn't promote pictures anymore anyways. Um, I don't know that it affects them in a positive or negative way very much. So they're like, Alex, we, we like you. We know we like your work. You love the community. You know a bunch of people. Just come and sort of you know, get us some content and we'll be good because it's not that important to them, which is incredibly interesting in terms of like understanding what your client needs. Yeah. No, I think it's very important to know what they need. What what would you uh, what did you say to that? Were you just like, okay, cool, I'll just do my thing, or did you try to convince them with, hey, let's at least get a lean crew and we could make some ads? And so I've been doing this gig since 2019, and in the beginning when I was just new with my camera, they like sat me down, like, we want you, we love your work, and I was like, well, fine, but I don't want a shot list. I just got to make what I make, and they're like, fine. And then over the years, you know, they're like, well, can we have a little shot list? And I'm like, sure. And then this year. You know, it's 2,500 people. You know, it was 1,000. So it's gotten, it's more than doubled. And I'm like, look, I just can't be a photographer and a videographer for 2,500 people, like six stages. It's, it's not possible for me to cover this in any meaningful fashion by myself. And they pay me well for it, but, you know, not obscenely well. And so I was like, why don't you just double it? And I'll bring somebody on. Or why don't you, like, pay me, like, maybe a little over double and I'll bring two, two guys on really lean crew. And they're like, we don't know what we would do with the extra content, even if we had it. And then they said, um, and maybe that's my fault. Maybe I should have been like, well, you, you know, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this, which by the way, is a, is a very insightful, uh, thing for content creators and entrepreneurs to understand who put on events. Like what exactly do you want from this? Somebody has to have an idea. It can't just be like walk around with a camera all day and make something. I'm going to go there and I'm going to make something, but whether or not it's useful for them, I don't know. It's going to be creative for me. Um, so I don't know if I should have like maybe stepped up and said like, here's what you need to do, this and that. Although in this particular instance, I've tried many times. Uh, but the second part of this is I'm part of the ambiance. And this is where I think entrepreneurs who hire creators can get a lot of leverage and I think creators who have a personality and want to hang out, not just be behind the scenes with a camera, I think they can, they can get a lot of leverage. So you don't just want somebody to take pictures in the background with their 70 to 200 sniping people all day. You want somebody that's like part of the party. Somebody that's like understands the culture. 
um, you know, I own more real estate than most people at Bigger Pockets conference will own. So it helps I speak the lingo. So when you go to these events, it's really it's really useful if you both know the culture, you know the audience, and you can be part of the party while you take photos. Sure. Well, so one thing I would have suggested or brainstormed with them would have been uh, when they said they don't know what they want. All right, let's get a side room, set up some nice lights, get some testimonials going, have people's reactions, you know, how the, the event went, did it impact them, did they meet people, was it worth the money they spent to go there, how good it feels to be uh, around people again after, you know, this post-COVID era and reconnect in real life after, you know, COVID's being not friends real. online. Um, a promo video from the event, a recap. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll do promo video every year. Um, mm -hmm. I'll probably get them a t couple of testimonials. That's all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all pretty standard stuff. Sure. But they don't. The thing is, they're such a big, huge monster like testimonials. They, they sell their tickets out. 2,500 people. They sell them out at $1,200 a pop. Wow. So well, well, I hear you. About, You're right. Also, yeah. they're like, we don't, we don't, we don't care. We don't need it. Do whatever you want. It, does, it, does, it literally doesn't matter. What about this? What if they had a back room <clears throat> and you had a podcast set up? So all the people that are there, the speakers, when they're done talking, they could do you know, a podcast episode with each other. That is not a bad idea. That's beyond my – they have a podcast. Like sure. Bigger Pockets has a podcast, and they will be podcasting there. Uh, okay. So this is literally just like short form pictures and videos. Sure. Uh, but the big problem is, and for anybody that knows, like, like understands deeply the difference mentally, it is very hard to go shoot photos and videos, at least for me. It's hard to switch between the two. Sure. Um, no, I, it's hard for me to like tell a story and snap photos. They're just different mental processes for me. Mm -hmm. no, I, I mean, I, I can. It's just hard. Oh, it's super hard, especially if you're like rocking the gimbal, then you got to take it off. Redial in the settings. Try to get some snaps uh, I, to the same person. I will not be bringing my gimbal. I'm going to bring a kind of a light, um, a light, like gear. I'm going to bring a, a I'm going to bring a 24 to seven. No, that's not true. I'll bring probably four lenses. Also, I'm going right from Bigger Pockets Conference. I'm going to Las Vegas for two masterminds, and then I'm going to which, and I'll see you. And then I'll go to uh, L.A. because a friend of mine. Literally called me up. She's like, will you come take pictures of this company event I have? And I'm like, dude, I live on the island. Like, you're going to have to pay so much for me to come to L.A. to shoot. You could get somebody in L.A. who's just as good without having to pay travel cost. And she's like, I know, right? But I want you. Wow. What a compliment. Dude, that is that is part of like... You know, like I said, being part of the ambiance, not just being a photographer, because look, if you rely on only your work, then you have to be the best. But if you rely on your personality, you can be 80% the best in the camera and 100% best in personality and you win. Sure. Well, even on top of that, uh, I think if you're memorable, likable, and if you're the person getting out there talking to people, hey, what do you do? What are you looking for? Because at the last event, I introed two people. One was a hard money loans. And then I, I was talking to somebody else. And he's like, I'm looking for somebody who has money. And I'm like, I just snapped a video of him over here. I need to meet, you know, you two need to meet. Brought them together. 
And it's like playing matchmaker, and they're like, oh, how did you know? And I'm like, dude, I'm like just talking to everyone. Hey, what do you do when we're filming, you know? Just trying to yeah. help, you know, make connections for people. That's, yeah, being a connector is so valuable. I'm, one of my favorite things to do is connect the right people. Well, speaking um, of connections, I yeah, filmed MGM Grand. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal had an event. It was a charity event. He does it every year. Huge production value. Um, he had like uh, John Legend performed and uh, a bunch of other artists. It's really really cool. We actually uh, interviewed. I saw you filming John Shaq. Legend. I was like, what the heck? Yeah, dude, he's good, man. It was great, and um, got to meet Shaq. Got to film him. Super big, like he's just enormous. Um, it's kind of funny too, because like when you get to that point, you know you. We, we showed up like 20 minutes early. We waited, he was like 25 minutes late. He shows up with a bodyguard that goes up to like his chest. And I'm like, that's your bodyguard? And then he goes straight for the candy in the hotel room, just starts like eating these like chocolate peanuts. And he's like, oh, another fucking interview. And uh, we're like, yeah, it'll be quick. And then he's like, okay, sits down. They literally had just printed the script that he was supposed to memorize like right before. And uh, we didn't, you know, nobody brought like a teleprompter, although we probably could have put it like in the phone, in the phone and like just had it like above the camera. So he's just like, just hold the piece of paper under the lens. And we're like, okay. He did two takes and then he's like, all right, I got to go. And uh, it was just funny because we were, you know, we were like, don't be late. We all got there early. He shows up late. We're, you know, no big deal to us, but to have your schedule uh, like evolve, you know, everyone's schedule evolved around him for like that day where it's like, we, we would have waited there like for hours if, it, if, if that's what it took. But uh, I got that gig because I was friends with the guy who booked it. So any creators out there who are listening, you know, it's really important to connect with other creators. We're collaborators, we're not competition. Because when you book something that's bigger with production value and they tell you to get a crew, you want to be the one that they think of when they say, hey, bring a person, you know, to shoot. And so shout out to my buddy Matt who uh, brought me on to that one. And it was really fun. We were there for like 10, 11 hours, but it was awesome. You know, you're floating around, getting performance shots, did some interviews and uh, really, really great time. So don't sleep Love on it. saying hi to people because that is important. <laughs> Dude, that was one of the things that when I first met you, I was super psyched about because um, there's a there's a few people that I can riff off. I'm not going to say any names. There's a few people in my mind that are in the industry and they're sort of like, they think they're in the same niche as me, right? They think they're in real estate, like investor, like content, but they're so competitive. And I don't, sorry, they're not competitive. They're like, instead of trying to play their game, they're trying to play a game with me. And I'm like, dude, I, we could be working together. Like, I don't want you, I don't want the same thing you want. And you think you want what I want, but I'm not doing what you think I'm doing. So like, uh, it just makes things so much harder when people are like, uh, it's not about being competitive. I love being competitive. They're guarded. They're like, I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm not going to share anything. I'm not going to open up because it's somewhat, it's half. What it really is, is they're threatened. What it really is, sure. is they're threatened. And so then they're like, we're competing. And I'm like, okay, but I'm going to do my art with or without you. And the things that you want, like I said, they're probably not the same thing I want. 
This is what I love about the real estate industry. And this is where like my mindset, my background is from the real estate industry. There's this weird phenomenon in real estate. I have my theories about why it's like everybody is super open. They'll tell you everything. They'll, they'll tell you their, um, how they did it. They'll share everything. And I believe the reason is, I believe the reason is, is because it's, um, it's not a customer industry. Like I have the bigger pockets contract, but next year I might not. So it's like sort of limited, but with real estate, like if I buy the house, you can never buy the house. I own the house. There's nothing you can do about it. Every tenant that wants that house, I get that tenant and there's an abundance of tenants. So like there's me and you competing doesn't make any sense because once I have the product, there's nothing you could do. There's no, comp- there's no competition to be had. So I think everybody's like, look, I have my, like ha- my houses. I can't buy them all. So you and I are not competition. You either buy your own houses. And then once you own them, you're yours. Sure. I can only help you. And also if we work together, we can buy bigger, bigger properties. Yeah. It's just like, if you're a creator, <laughs> if you work together, we can, you know, do bigger events. It's interesting yeah. you say There's- that. Cause I talked to a friend recently, you know, a friend acquaintance. We've gotten lunch a few times, but the, the first time he reached out to me to, to do lunch, you know, he's asking me, what do you want to do? And I said, I like working with, you know, real estate investors, realtors, mortgage lenders, purpose-driven entrepreneurs who want to amplify, you know, their message and make a bigger impact. And he's going after more kind of corporate business type events, but like he was getting Icky. really into the numbers. Like, what do you charge? What do you get paid for this? And then I saw him recently at an event and he's like, oh, I got my first contract. And, and so like, you know, I was like, I'll do it back. I'll ask him, you know, I was like, hey, how, how, how much is it for? How'd it go? And he's like, oh, I don't talk numbers. And I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Well, congrats. But it was just kind of like a funny contrast. Cause like the last time I met him, like all he wanted to talk was like asking me numbers. And then this time he's like, oh, I don't talk numbers. But I was just like, dude, we're like not even going after the same thing. Like I like events. I like working with realtors, entrepreneurs. He might have been ashamed. That could be the case too. He might have been ashamed. He might have been, or maybe he made so much that he didn't want to tell you. Like he didn't want you to feel bad that you were making fucking pennies. (laughs) Yeah, that that could be the case too. It's one of the two, but... Yeah, I know know what Sean makes and I'm making 10x that, so poor guy. I don't want to tell him. Uh, But my guess is... And I don't know it. People don't generally, how do I say it? It's much more likely, in my opinion, it's much more likely that somebody would hide their shame rather than protect your feelings. Yes. If it's good for them, they're usually more likely to brag. And if it's bad for them, they're more likely to defend. They don't think so much about what's good for somebody else's feelings. I mean, I'm not in the short run, like with friends, not obviously not with like relationships or family where you're like, I have to, obviously I care about, you know, my family's feelings or Miss Kate's feelings. And so Mm -hmm. I'll, you know, but if it's just like in the, you know, some acquaintance, you know, it's just more likely that he's feeling defensive rather than, uh, uh, defensive, like self-defensive rather than, I mean, that's not some kind of professional courtesy. Like, Oh, I'm just not going to tell you why. Yeah. So I was reading, um, the Linktree creator report. I got some stats that I wrote down. I wanted to discuss them with you or just kind of get your reaction. But it said 40% of the people on the internet feel overwhelmed by the sheer amount of choice. Yeah. And that the human attention span is one third 
what it was in 2004. Yeah, that makes sense. TikTok had, uh, has grown over 300%. Uh, Eventbrite nice. has grown over 200%, and then LinkedIn was third. Yeah. It's grown by 42%. Um, Eventbrite is fascinating because it just shows you that people, despite the internet, people still want to meet in person. Yeah. yeah. I agree. And there's a growing, there's a growing meet demand for events. I don't think you can replace the, the shaking uh, hands. Don't say that. In person. They'll figure out a way. Have you seen that new, uh, have you seen the meta, the new meta, like, high fidelity body language that they they, they displayed? Um, Ooh, no. It'll take some time, though. It'll take some time. Uh, I think people's attention spans are shorter than ever. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's discomforting because uh, decision fatigue, right? It's too many choices. Mm -hmm. It's the same reason why, I mean, they've studied this in sales to psychology for a long time, and I'm a little bit out of my depth here because I don't know it that well. But it's like, it's like menus that are too big. You come in, you're like, dude, you get a restaurant, it's like, dude, five fucking things, right? Or when you go buy an Apple iPhone, it's like, how many choices do you get? It's like, you get two choices. You don't get a million choices. So sorry, I'm sick. Committed, bro, I'm committed. Committed. Um, I'm getting over a little cold. for Alex right now, all of those watching right now. It's 6 a.m. I'm a little under the weather, and I'm going to a conference. Like it's, I am, I am at my limit for life right lately. Um, I, I think the the unfortunate side and the opportunity is that people who have less le- less self control are going to find themselves in this, you know, stressful environment where they have too many choices on TikTok or YouTube to watch, and so then they're gonna um, they're gonna do it anyways. And they're going to find themselves stressed out. And I think those with a little bit of self-discipline and purpose, big, larger purpose, are going to be able to put the phone down and go do something. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't want to say I don't see that as a problem as much as I see that as just another reflection of normal human life. Um, there are people who sit around, you know, the, the joke 10 years ago, the, the joke or like, you know, the trope was... <clears throat> The stereotype was uh, a, you know, a twenty, a thirty-year-old kid, thirty-five-year-old guy who lives in his mom's basement, smokes weed, and eats Cheerios, eats Fruit Loops, like, and plays video games. It's just, it's the same thing, right? It's like, it's just people who are distracted, and so that's always existed. But humanity, because we're becoming more affluent and because we have fancier tools, the ways to become distracted are more sophisticated. But for those who can find purpose and a little discipline, there'll be only more chances to excel. Sure. No, yeah, well said. Got to stay focused. Well, and then so the other thing it was saying was one third of Gen Zs say creators and influencers influence their buying decisions, like obviously. But I think that's just going to keep increasing because you know you want to be like the person that you're watching. If you watch Peter McKinnon video and you see he's got the no- the nomadic bag. You want the nomadic bag. I have the nomadic bag. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's always been the case. But we definitely are in the era of individual brand. Well, that would be bigger than the, the brand itself. Uh, the influencer you know, economy is not going anywhere. Uh, I don't think it's ever gone anywhere. I mean, they've been doing, you know, like movie stars have been doing ads forever. So I, I think they're just getting better at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 
I don't, I don't think it's I don't think much has changed. It's just we're getting better at these things, and you know, for better or for worse. If you, you know, is the Peter McKinnon nomadic bag is it great, or is it, you know, junk, overpriced junk that you're buying because of Peter McKinnon? I think because of the level of sophistication in these influencer like sort of economy, I actually think that it will, it will make it, it will overall win because somebody who has a lot of credibility and a lot of and a lot of talent i mean peter mckinnon's obviously talented he has a big audience and and he's got credibility right <clears throat> and he's got standards right he's also cool as shit and so then he goes like hey i'm gonna work on this this bag and you know nomadic's already making bags but they make one for him and you're like well it's probably the best that they could make he probably didn't go in and be like, "Hey, how can we like sell overpriced? How can we slang overpriced junk to these, to these, to my audience?" He's probably like, "How can I make the best possible bag within you know certain constraints? It's got to cost a certain amount, and it's got to be like the thing about bags specifically. Not to go on a tangent, is that everybody needs something different. So like, there's no perfect bag because it's like I use it. I have four bags because I use them differently and whatever. Um, but yeah, I I only see that as a win. Now there'll be people who. There'll be two things. There'll be people who cannot afford Peter McKinnon bags, so they go get some like B-rate influencer who's like, yeah, this $100 bag. And there'll be flat-out you know, charlatans that take advantage of this sort of situation. But those will always, always be the case. The thing I like about the Nomadic bag, because I, I tried some of the cheaper bags first, and uh, they were good, but they weren't great. And what I and you're absolutely right. It's all about what the person needs. Because what I needed was a travel camera bag where I just needed one, and I could bring two, three day, days worth of clothes and all my camera gear. But I've had the buckle break once and the zipper break once. But when you buy it, you have a lifetime warranty. And so if you are buying it, make sure you buy it. You know, even if it's used, get the receipt and proof of purchase from whoever you buy it from because I've, I've, I've talked to two people now who've bought and it used, and they're like, oh yeah, it has lifetime warranty. And then when something breaks on it, because I'm really hard on my bag, they weren't able to you know, get the warranty aspects because they're really strict on you know, making sure you have proof of purchase, but they sent me out a new one on the spot. I was at the airport like probably a month ago, and like one of the buckles broke, and I just go to the email thread because I'm already like on customer support from the first time. And by the time I got back from the trip I was filming, they had already sent me a new buckle, and I was like, "Thank you." Like it was worth it because of that. Because I'm big on the buckles have, up here and at the waist. We have a new rivalry. Yeah. Oh. Peak design. Peak design. Okay. Dude, this bag I own. <clears throat> I own three Peak Design bags. This one is my favorite, and they don't make a 16 inch anymore. For uh, they don't make a 15 inch anymore, so it fits the laptop. So I had to buy a used one, and they have a. Peak Design has a used, like an, uh, a secondary, in a, a marketplace for used gear on their platform. And so oh, cool. all the warranties transfer, everything like that, and they verify stuff. So I own that bag. I also own a 10 liter sling by them, which they have replaced because one time the zipper, their V1, they're like, yeah, our zippers went bad. So we replaced all of them, like whoever reached out. So I, this is my second one. Um, and now they have a V3, I think. But. I also have a 30-liter uh, travel bag, which I'll take with me to BPCon. And I think I'm going to buy their 65-liter duffel bag for travel as well. I love, I love Peak Design. They're the best. Peak Design is nice. I've, I had one back in the day, um, and then I got rid of it. But 
I do acknowledge Peak Design makes nice bags. They make great bags, yeah. Um, we can, we can, I love a little, we can, I love a rivalry. We can rivalry. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, the Nomadic bag's really great when you put Sony's in there. If you have a Canon in there, then it sucks. And Bro, let me tell you something. I, uh, okay, we have six minutes. I want to talk about two things. I want yeah. to talk about um, why Canon's better than Sony, and I want to talk about the studio upgrades. And I'd like to end real tight on time. So let's go move mm-hmm. fast. Um, this week, I figured out that I was color grading my podcasts wrong, so they're all about to look 50% better. And it was a really rookie mistake. I was just using the wrong LUT, uh, the wrong 3D LUT, the, the wrong, like, not the creative LUT, but, like, the, the factory LUT, which Canon does a terrible job of providing you with LUTs, by the way. Like, if you want to go get the LUT for my three, my C70, like, it's not on the American Canon website. You have to, like, go to the Chinese website and find it. It's so weird. Um, it's terrible. But uh, I really like Canon Color Science. I just like the way that it all looks. And it's it's maybe not great for podcasts, actually, because right now podcasting, everything is, like, real contrasty and sharp and colorful, uh, like bright colors. But... Uh, I did all the new episodes with this new, with the correct LUT, and man, they're looking so good. And I was just thinking to myself, Canon is the best, no doubt, doubtlessly. They are the best. I think the color science and the colors are Canons are nice, but Sony's have a better low light performance. And if you're just getting started, you need a talking head camera, you know, the ZVE 10 is money. I am recommending the ZVE 10 to a lot of folks. If you need low light performance, just go get a 1.2. A 50 millimeter lens done sure and then sure. throw it on oh and, and throw it on a sony show you almost said it you almost said it correctly I know, I hey actually <laughs> you almost said it correctly um have you speaking of little light performance have you seen instagram's denoise feature this thing is gnarly go take mm-hmm. go outside mm-hmm. yeah uh lightroom has a denoise an ai denoise uh, function and go outside at night and take a photo of really low light. And I mean like jack that ISO up to like 51,000, mm-hmm. right? And take a lousy photo and then run it through Lightroom's AI and you oh, will be... Oh, AI. Yeah. What did I say? You said uh, Instagram's denoise. Oh, Lightroom's yeah. Uh, yeah, denoise. Lightroom. My apologies. Yeah. First mistake yeah, no, all year. Um. It's awesome. It, is, it takes a few it seconds is, to render. It takes a few seconds to render. Uh, and it does things that just would be unfathomable five years ago. It's probably saved so many people where, like, after the fact, they're just like, oh, crap. That was my one shot, and I missed it, and the ISO is way I w- too high. I wonder if I can show it, share my screen real quick. Can you see this? Check out this photo of my buddy at we're like filming. Can you see that photo? Um, it's loading. Still got the loading bars. Nope. Let's try again. Disappeared. Now there's still a lot of gray, uh, a lot of grain on the outsides, but like mm-hmm. we are sitting in the dark, like pitch black. And I'm shooting on a, I am shooting an 85 millimeter 1.2. I'm shooting on a Canon R5, so it's as good as night capabilities as one could get. I'm shooting probably 51,000 ISO. Okay, and he's lit by a, not even by a fire, but by, uh, we were roasting marshmallows. So it's like 
you know, a, a light charcoal so that the six-year-olds and the three-year-olds could, could be around it. It wasn't like a roaring fire. And I denoise his face, and his face just looks perfect. Now, the outside around him where it's black, it just – what I need to do is I need to go and post and just darken those. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was so impressed by how that, that, that photo could possibly exist in that fashion. Do you have the before? Uh, no. Handy? That would have been no. better. That would have been useful. No. Yeah. I, I pulled this out on a on a whim. Sorry. Kind of whim. Well, hey, it looks great. Make me want some yeah. marshmallows right now. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, two minutes. Uh, look at it's brightening up. It's brightening up here in uh, it's Maui in Maui. Um, yeah. Sun's rising. Two minutes. What did I want to talk to you about? Oh, dude. Studio. Very happy to watch both of our evolutions. I think it'd be so fun if we could go back after the year and just be like. You know, I started this in my little 600 square foot. Now I'm in my office. I'm starting to, you know, this is going to start looking really good. You have dialed it in. Now, I know you almost always shoot from there. Not always because we travel. But, like, man, you have really dialed it in a lot better. It looks really good. Happy for you. The lighting looks good. I want to say, one, congrats, right? Two, thankful, right, that you've, like, you know, to see somebody try. I mean, I know you're a trier. But, like, just it's just good to see it. And I love this about art because what it shows and for people who want to hire videographers or photographers or people who want to be videographers or photographers, it's like, <clears throat> and this is the thing coming out here with Brandon. I've learned it so hard, even though I've been doing this a while, no matter how good you are, you're going to always have to practice to get better. Sure. Yep. Keep learning new things. Keep looking at new tutorials. You know, it's the... The cameras are our paintbrush, so the better you know it, the better you can manipulate it and use it. Yeah, I'm gonna hang this big light over here, this uh, this Amaran. I got an Amaran, what is that, a 200? I'm gonna hang that from a bar that I strung from the ceiling here, so I'll, next time it'll be sick. well lit, I'll have a little controlled lighting. I'm gonna put my photos up and down the sides back here, I'm gonna put a bunch of lights back there. Like, it's just iterative, and that's what I learned about both art and life. It's just iterative. Like, there's nothing you're gonna come in and just be great at, and then even when you're great, People like, Alex, you're a great photographer. And I'm like, I'm getting better every day, you know? So mm-hmm. I just, I can see it visually. And I think that's part of the best. That's one of the best parts about being like an artist over time is that I, I never feel like I'm getting better. You probably don't feel like you're getting better. And then I look at your set and I'm like, dude, like 10 episodes. It's, been, it's, it's 10x better. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. I appreciate your commitment to this. I know it's hasn't been easy with both our schedules, the time zone, traveling. And I hired a VA. I have been onboarding her all week. I'm sticking a lot of resources into her. I'll tell you two things and I'll let you go. One, she's going to help us out with a lot of this. Okay. Nice. Two, I'm saying it here now for the four people who are ever going to hear this, who are listening, I am going to be a great leader. I've known it for a long time, but I've never really been in a position to like lead something of my own. So I think with her, uh, Christine, she's wonderful, but I also think that I can express my vision well. I think I can, uh, you know, like sort of motivate her to do what we need to accomplish together. And I think that um, I think this platform will do well, and it will help serve you and I well. And I think that connect people. Yeah, we're gonna connect people. We're gonna help people. But I think being able to like hire people and get them to motivate to solve a common goal, I think is a deep in my wheelhouse that I've not really had a chance in life to practice yet. That's awesome. I love that. It, it's coming, bro. We are about to level up. I just finished the little tutorial for all the, some of the backend stuff, so I'll upload that to Drive and send it to you. 
Yeah, I would love that. All right, let me get you out of here. Hey, so next week I'm in I'm at BPCon, but I'd love to like get some I'd love to get some like weird episodes, like just you know, and like crunch some in, like weird places, hotel rooms and times and stuff. That'd be fun. Sure. Let me know what your uh, schedule's like and then And then we'll do one in Vegas. Yeah. We'll do our first in-person one. Yeah, we could do it at my buddy Jay Miranda's house. Have you seen Las Vegas Flipper Jay? Yeah, I've seen his setup for Paper Trails Pod. Paper Trails, nice. yeah. Very yeah. good friend of mine. Very good friend of mine. I, I reluctant to say that because he's an asshole. Um, all right. Uh, subscribe. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you. Sean, you're the best. See you later. You're Cheer the on, best. buddy. All right, man. Take care. Peace.